Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family, do our best to answer them from a biblical worldview. We have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Doug Melton is our lead pastor. Randy Whittall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. My name is Daniel Snow, and I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. We love to get your questions, and please keep sending them in. There's three ways. Uh, there's an email address, which is three questions podcast at myshbc.com with the number three at the beginning. You can go to the website, myshbc.com slash contact, or you can text 505-258-2076, and all the questions will be kept anonymous. And guys, just a quick response on this, but do you remember when and where was the first date that you had with your wife? Oh, I do. I do. Okay. Uh, concert at Oklahoma Baptist University. What yeah. kind of concert? Uh, okay. So this is a weird deal because it was actually a secular concert. This was in 1979, May of 79. There was a guy named Michael Johnson Bluer than blue, sadder oh, than sad. We're getting more than Someone we bargained for right now. <laughs> wow. What a treat. My You're boy. the only life this empty room has ever had something like that. And that was Michael Johnson. Man, I can hear it now. Oh, man. Man, it just melted. Oh, it? yeah. <laughs> the rest is history. Okay. Randy. Oh, poor Sandy was so deprived. I, I took her to the... Uh, the uh, the movie theater in Stillwater to see that. I'll, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was an Oscar-winning performance of Olivia Newton-John in a movie called Xanadu. Wow. Uh, it involved roller skates, music. It, it, I'm sure somebody won an Oscar for that. How old are you guys? <laughs> Classy. Classy. Well, well, mine was extremely romantic as well. Uh, Cracker Barrel and Castaway. Sweet. And... Uh, and, and okay, here's another just Cracker fun fa- barrel. Cracker Barrel because I tricked, her, I tricked her into our first date. Uh, once again, how old story. are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says romance like buying uh trinkets in Cracker Barrel, it does have a fireplace. <laughs> That's right. Please, please tell me you didn't make her split a serving of uh chicken and dumplings. Oh, no, no, <laughs> went, I went all out. All out. Hey, Junior, you yeah, finished we, with that golf tee game thing yet? I can give it a... Yeah, okay. Jeremy's right. Yeah, good old, you know, giant checkers on the table. If I beat oh, you, you have to go stuff. out with me. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I didn't know I was going to get completely beat up on that, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about Xanadu. So, sometime I'll have to tell you the rest of the story of how I tricked her into that. Okay, but the first question for the podcast today is, did God cause David to sin by taking a census in 2 Samuel 24? And do you want me to read that? If, you, if you'd if like you've it. Got it's it. kind of long. But, okay, uh, but... Okay, go ahead. Okay, and it just says, it, it starts off with uh, with David saying, and the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and incited David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. And the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, go, out, go about now through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and register the people that I may know the number of the people. And later on it says, 
you know that the that the numbering of the people angered God, and uh, he ended up giving David a choice between three punishments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, again, you know, textually, we also know that this same incident is also recorded in First Chronicles twenty one. But there, the Bible says it was Satan that had moved David to number. Can I read yeah, that? Yeah, read that. Um, so this is the parallel passage Randy's talking about. First uh, Chronicles 21, verse 1. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. And it's the exact same account, but from a parallel passage. Yeah. So this, this, is, this is one of those passages where some people will try to take a single verse and, and try to define something from that one verse, which is a great reminder that we're given the whole of Scripture to help us know God's character and, and heart. You know, James is going to tell us that no man can say when he sins or when he's tempted, I was tempted of God. You know, mm-hmm. God never tempts anybody to sin. And yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and so we know God's heart from lots of Scripture that God would never say, yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm going. I want you to go commit this sin. He would never tempt us. That's right. Is what James says. That's right. You know, and so, um, you know, and so in that in this case, I think we can safely say no. God did not uh, cause David to sin and then punish him for a sin that, you know, because God didn't put him in a position of sin or sin, either obey me in sin or disobey me, and mm-hmm. and and that's a a sin. Now, textually, and I'll throw this out there, there are several translations that look at the Hebrew because in, in the Hebrew, the word for anger is a is a masculine noun. And so they translate it as saying that, you know, his anger burned against Israel and it moved David uh, to number the people. In other words, because God was angry, that anger, is that, that bad relationship yeah. with God caused David uh, to sin. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah. And, and I think one source summarized uh, this principle. Well, it said God himself never does evil, but sometimes he uses evil moral agents like demons or sinful human beings to accomplish his purposes. Mm-hmm. And I do think we see that. In fact, I think we see that here. I think it's a gift of God that he gives us both the the second Samuel twenty four and the first Chronicles uh, twenty one yeah so that we do get to see this and and I think we see the same thing lots of places in Scripture but one of my personal favorites is the life of Joseph and we do see God using the evil that his brothers do towards him and then other people as well to bring about God's ultimately good purposes. In the life, not only of Joseph, but really the the masses, mm-hmm. and in Genesis fifty twenty is where Joseph says to his brothers who think that he might kill them because he has reason to and power to. And Joseph says, for one thing, am I in the place of God um, to stand in judgment of you? But he says, you meant these things for evil against me, but God meant these things for good for the salvation of many. Um, and so, so again, we see that even as God does ordain to allow evil, he is always 
in sovereign rulership over all things, meaning that he is always working his plan for redemption and restoration. Boy, that's a good point, Daniel. And it also reminds us there are not any contradictory passages in the Bible. Sometimes we can look at that and we say, well, was God involved or was Satan involved? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good. Really good. And, and in this, this specific passage, one way we get to see that God is bringing about his purposes is that at the end of chapter 24, we see that he is, um, that David, it kind of has a renewed submission to God and offers a very costly sacrifice of worship. And then even beyond David's life, we see that that purchase of property becomes what would be the temple mount for Solomon's temple, which is just cool to me. So, okay. Second question is, um, it basically boils down to, is it a sin to get tattoos? And I'll, I'll read the full question that was turned in. How can we discourage young people from getting tattoos when a Baptist periodical promotes them? Uh, the cover of a specific Baptist magazine has a couple whose arms are covered up by tattoos. And yes, I find them to be ugly. Does God care if we do this to our bodies? So I, I think we need to start with whenever we ask the, the, the question is asked, is it a sin to get tattoos? Um, we, we would need to ask, is it a sin to get a, a ear piercing? Is it a sin? There, there are lots of things we could ask that question to. Uh, sin is rebellion against God. And so I think we need to always start with what is God leading an individual to do? And, uh, and so if, if we were just to take the blanket question, is it a sin to get tattoos? I, I, th- I think you would have to look at the individual's heart to know what was the the reason for getting a tattoo. Right. Right. Yeah. I um, agree that yeah, that whole idea of motivation is behind a lot of things. Now there is a that passage out of Leviticus, mm-hmm. you know, where where it's uh, amongst many other warnings about not you know, cutting eating. your hair or, or trimming your beard or right. eating certain foods. Uh there's this one that says and you'll not make cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print marks on you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so uh, that's you know there are many who've taken that and tried to say you know no that you shouldn't you shouldn't be getting tattoos. Uh, of course, you know the the part about not making cuttings in your flesh, like Doug said, others could say, well, then that also means you probably shouldn't be punching holes in your ears, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to put earrings in, right? Uh, but that's you know we don't usually culturally condemn that right but uh i think what doug said is is very true whether it's what i'm going to write on my arm or whether i'm going to write in a letter to somebody or on my podcast or on my social media mm-hmm. part of it is what is what what's it, what am i trying to do this is this a egotistical thing is it to is it to provoke anger at somebody just to get back at someone or just to prove I'm adult now so I can make my own choices. Uh, you know, the more is it possibly an allegiance to the Lord? Like exactly. What's yeah. being printed or, or 
eat. Right. You know, and sometimes I think you would have to say whether it's piercing my ears or whether it's, you know, tattooing on, on, on my arm or whatever, you know, is this something I'm doing out of obedience to the Lord, to honor the Lord? Is there, is there a, and, and I would say whatever it is, is there a check in my spirit about doing this? Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that it's going to be wrong forever, but maybe it means it's not it's wrong for now if I'm sensing a check in my spirit about it. Randy, there's a, a mission picture down in our, our hallway. Mm-hmm. There's a, it seems like you and I were talking. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a, a lot of cultures where tattooing or face marking, where as a rite of passage into adulthood, you know, they're, they're, they're scarred. Uh, especially in African culture, but especially among Ethiopian Christians, and uh, you know when they are when they're saved, they oftentimes tattoo a lot of times on their faces, on their forehead, or on their necks, a cross or something. And the idea there behind it, my understanding is, I'm not an expert on Ethiopian culture, but is this is a permanently visible sign that I'm a follower of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what my actions do, people are going to look at my face and go, Oh, you've got that. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're obviously a Christian, mm-hmm. you know? And so, uh, you know, there's an instance where you've got a whole group of Christians who not only don't think it's sin, they think it's, they think it's a testimony. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so to summarize, I think we would, it sounds like we're in agreement that, in and of itself, uh, just a tattoo in and of itself is not a sin for New Testament believers unless it's with a sinful attitude or of an image that's against God, whether that be a naked person or Buddha or something like that. Um, and and there there are ways that real Christians can can have a tattoo that that either is an allegiance, possibly even to their spouse. I know. Um, some get get a tattoo of their wedding band um, on their finger, and they don't wear a wedding ring. They just have it permanently there in ink. But there's lots of things. But all that to say, I think that's where we're coming down on this, it sounds like. Yeah. I think Paul's test in Galatians chapter 1 applies here, Daniel, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Mm-hmm. And, and that is a real motivation of the heart that we need to always examine in whatever I'm doing. Right. Am I trying to seek the approval of people or am I trying to seek the approval of God? Right. And, and whether it's this or anything that we can look at and say, no, there's not a direct biblical command that says, don't do this. Mm-hmm. We still come up with this, with that, what is a biblical teaching of just because this is permissible doesn't mean it's sure it's profitable. Right. doesn't mean I should do it. Uh, you know, and so uh, that, that's one of those texts that I first memorized in Spanish. So I'm actually having, I have to translate it from <laughs> Spanish to English. You know, there's a lot of uh, wheels yeah, turning yeah, in your head right now. I actually see the smoke. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so, but you know, there are many, many things like that in that aren't in scripture that says you shouldn't do this. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I should yeah, that I have that, yeah. I, that it's right for me to do. It's good, really good. It's it is the heart that Christ is looking at. Yesterday morning sermon we talked about. Jesus knows your heart, and uh, it is it is what comes out of the heart that defiles, not what we put on our skin or piercing mm-hmm. our ears. Mm-hmm. 
It's really good. Okay. And the third question is, what are some good verses to memorize and meditate on that summarize the gospel, both for my own good and for my conversations with others? Obviously, the, you know, the Roman road that so many of us memorized, you know, as, as, as young Christians, which is a series of texts, you know, the Romans 3.23, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that all have sinned, and 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, uh, and, and then, you know, Romans 10.9 and 10, confess, you mm-hmm. know, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. But a text that's just always been so simple and to me is, is, is also in Romans, but it's Romans 5.8, mm, you know, yeah. that God has shown his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. Yeah. I mean, that to me is the Bible in a nutshell. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And the point is not that we clean ourselves up. That's it's exactly that we right. can't. And that it's all because God showed his love, just like yeah. our sermon Sunday about uh, and last night, uh, you know, for God so loved. You know, I mean, that is the essence of the Bible mm-hmm. is God loved. You know, he created and for his own self, mm-hmm. he didn't have to create. He did it because he chose to. And then he loved us, even in spite of the fact that he knew we were going to spit in his face. Yeah. You know, he still loved us. And then so much so that he Send his own son to die for us, so that Christ died while we while we were yet sinners. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's it. I, that's one of my favorites. So memorize Romans five eight. It's good stuff. For me personally, if I only get a chance to share one verse with someone related to the gospel, it's Romans six twenty three. Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a good one. Because it goes from talking about wages that we earn. And and because of what I've earned from my sin, it's it's separation from God forever. And then goes to talking about a gift that I cannot earn and is from God, and it's only through Christ. And even those last two words are important, Jesus Christ, our oh. Lord. If we run to him for forgiveness, we also get his lordship. I would say Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And we had our students memorize that when I was a student pastor when we would go on mission trips and we would talk through your life before Christ, your life because of Christ, and your life after Christ. And so, man, that whole section, you could walk a person through how to come to know the Lord just by by knowing that, that yeah. section. Awesome. And one that I've gone to lots of times with, with folks is First Timothy chapter 1. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. And then it gives such a succinct statement of the gospel that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Mm-hmm. And and boy, that just, that we've talked about before, always a reminder, that was me. And so when you're sharing Christ with someone, Christ Jesus came into the world, that is God. Yeah. In order to save sinners, that's why he came. Salvation of whom I am the foremost. Can I throw one Old Testament uh, scripture in there? Just because it's, it's so good for me to be reminded over and over that that God's missionary impulse has always been. Mm-hmm. And Old Testament and New Testament. And Isaiah forty five twenty two, God says, 
Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. And it's just that reminder, not only that his, he has been always calling to the nations, of whom I am one, I am one of the nations, uh, but also that that last statement, for I am God, there is no other. Like He's just saying, it's not like I'm a, the best option among several. I'm it. Like, come to me. I have grace that's and mercy. Good. That's good. That's neat. So, okay. All, All right. right. We good? Okay. Well, thanks, guys. It's always fun talking and thinking through these things. We hope it's helpful to you as you listen. And if it is, know that you can subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast. You can also share that with someone else if it would be helpful to them. And remember, please remember that the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions.